you're listening to Words of Encouragement, the preaching ministry from the pulpit of the First Baptist Church of Winsboro, Louisiana. Leaning on the Lord through prayer. Leaning on the Lord through prayer. Today on Words of Encouragement. As we begin this uh, this new year, this week of prayer, I entitled this, Leaning on the Lord Through Prayer. The Jerusalem church was a praying church. Mark J. Kewen asks, Is it any coincidence that it is also a church that impacts its community, has radical community life, is successful in evangelism, and sees the power of God released in its midst and mission. Is it any coincidence they were a church of prayer? Listen to me and listen to me carefully. If any action or movement is going to be successfully carried out by the people of God, it must first be birthed from continual communication with God. We can do a lot on our own, we think. I think, that, I think we're deceived when we think we can do a lot without his help. That's, I don't want you to know that. That's where I'm coming from. I think we're deceived. But we think we can do a lot on our own. We can try this. We can try that. But if it is not of God, we are wasting our time and his. Today on the first day of our week of prayer, I want us to look at the first church in Jerusalem in the book of Acts. Who were they? How did they practice their Christianity? How did, how, how did they live as people of God? I mean, once a, once a person accepts Christ into their heart, it, it, sometimes we just act like, well, there you go. And Baptists have been famous for, you know, you've accepted Jesus in your heart, let's get you baptized. All right, buddy. Way to go. And we just kind of sit back. I mean, wait a minute. Whoa, there is more to the Christian life than just accepting Christ. I mean, your life's just begun as a believer. Once you ask Christ into your heart, there's a work that's happening inside. God is molding you into the likeness of Christ himself. And so that's going to take a while. Take a little while longer for some of us than others. (laughs) But it's going to take some time. And it's called discipleship. We have a big fancy word for it, discipleship. But it's growing in Christ. If you are able and you're willing, I ask that you stand in honor of the reading of the Word of God from Acts chapter 2, verse 42. The Bible says, They were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. May God bless the reading of his word. I invite you to be seated. First, let's set up where we are, what's happening here. It, it was the day of Pentecost. Uh, it was the day that the Holy Spirit came and people spoke in different languages, the Bible tells us. The Bible uses the word tongue 
Tongue, as it's used here in the scriptures, means a language which one has not studied but is able to speak. And so every person heard the gospel in their own language. It was like, oh, I understand what they're saying, and I hear it in my own language. And that is so important. And that is, in fact, just a little side note, is the mission of Tyndale uh, as they translate, or the Wycliffe, excuse me, the Wycliffe Bible translators, uh, their goal is to put the Bible in the language of the people. And so they find people groups around the world that do not have the Bible in, in written form, and they work on it, and they make sure that happens for them. Uh, but there is something about hearing the gospel in your language. And so it's exciting uh, here that each one of these heard the preaching. They heard it in their language. Uh, after this occurred, guess what? There, there were some who were not happy, and they accused the disciples of being drunk. Why, they're speaking in another language, uh, they're, they're, they're drunk, something's not right here. And uh, they go on to prove, no, we're not drinking, that's not what's happening here. Peter had just shared the gospel with them, and we find that they respond in verse 37. The Bible says, now when they heard this, they were pierced to the heart. Now they heard the gospel. They were pierced to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brethren, what shall we do? What do we do? What do we do? The power of the gospel pierced their heart. The word pierced here means wounded in conscience. There was a feeling of guilt for their sins. They asked Peter and the rest of the disciples, what do we do now? What shall we do? What do we do now? We feel, we feel horrible. We, 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 we were a part of, of putting Christ on that cross. What, we feel horrible. Something, what do we do here? What do we do now? There was a sense of sadness. There was a sense of guilt over their sins. They knew they had sinned, but they just didn't know what to do next. What do we do now? Peter answers them in verses 38 and 39. Peter said to them, Repent, and each of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call to himself. In these verses we see the act of salvation. First, one is to repent. One is to turn away from sin. That is an act on the individual's part that he or she must do. A turning away, a physically turning away from sin. In his commentary on Acts and introduction and commentary, I. Howard Marshall writes this. He says, the word indicates a change of direction in a person's life rather than simply a mental change of attitude or a feeling of remorse. It signifies a turning away from a sinful and godless way of life. It's not, oh, I feel bad because I've sinned. It's that, but it's much more than that. It's not, oh, I just feel so bad. I say, I, I, I. It's almost like these, oh, I got caught. Uh-oh, well, I feel bad now. Help me to understand that. <laughs> Help me to understand that. Me as a person who is, as I've said before, tends to lean toward legalism at times. I try not to, but I do at times. 
and I see a law and I say, why don't people follow this? What is the problem? You know, you can assent to some things. You can, you can say, oh, yes, I believe that, but then you don't live it out, and there's a big difference between saying and doing. To feel bad about one's sins is one thing, but to actually turn away from them is another. To actually walk away, say, you know what, I don't want to be a part of that. I don't want to be a part of that. Okay, good. I don't want to be a part of that, and I'm going to do something about it. That's where we need to be. And we turn away, we repent, we turn away from our sins. Second one says to be baptized in the name of Jesus. This baptism is a public act which labels one as a child of God. When you're baptized, it's done in public, it's done in front of others, and people see, oh, that person has accepted Jesus in their heart. That person is saying to all of us, I have been changed by God. And that person is also saying, whether they want to or not, watch me. Watch me. Watch me. I have accepted Christ into my heart. I have said I am joining myself with him. He is joining himself with me. I am becoming a part of the family of God. And now I have a target on me. Watch me. See if I do not live out a life in front of other people that says I belong to God. Because that's what's happening. That's what happens when someone accepts Christ. They're baptized. Everybody's looking going, oh, that person is saying publicly, I've accepted Christ into my heart. I'm following Jesus. I'm going to follow him. He is going to lead me and I'm going to follow his leadership in my life. So everyone's going to be watching to see if you do. Third, one receives the forgiveness of sins. A literal reading of this verse uh, goes something like this. Repent and let each of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for on the basis of the forgiveness of your sins. The disputed word in this is a preposition. It's it's ice in Greek, E-I-S which could indicate purpose and thus to be taken to mean that baptism is a prerequisite for the forgiveness of sins. But there's ample evidence in the New Testament that ice, that word for, on, can also mean on the ground of, on the basis of, which would indicate the opposite relationship. That the forgiveness of sins is the basis, the grounds for being baptized. We as Baptists do not believe that if, you just throw, if we just throw you in the water... You're, you're, you're good. <laughs> no, we put you in the water, we dunk you, we submerge you because you have accepted Christ into your heart. And that submersion, or I'm going I'm to get it wrong, uh, submersion, <laughs> that Im- immersion, <laughs> that going down into that water is a picture of what Christ did for us. He died and then he came back to life. And we die to our sin and we're risen to walk in newness of life. And so that, that baptism is showing what's happened in our hearts. So we, are, we baptize people because of what's happened inside. We can't just grab somebody at random and say, hey, you're going to heaven. You know, pop them in the water, pull them out. Hey, you know, because baptism doesn't save us. Baptism is a sign of what's happened in our hearts. And so this is what's going on here. This one is baptized because they have asked and received the forgiveness of sins. Fourth, the gift of the Holy Spirit comes into one's life. 
The Holy Spirit indwells in the hearts of believers. Once a person accepts Christ, the Holy Spirit comes inside to guide, to point the individual on the path of righteousness. So we have God in us. We have God with us, if you will. He is in us, and He is pointing us in the right direction. He is pointed us in the direction we need to go. He is showing us when we look at sin, he says, ding, ding, ding. You know, there's flags, there's lights, flashing lights that say that's wrong, that's wrong. And when you hear those, when you sense those, you know that is the Holy Spirit of God inside of you. And he is saying to you, uh-uh, <laughs> uh-uh. He's saying to you in the words of my mom, we don't do that. We don't do that. <laughs> And he, he gently guides you sometimes, and sometimes I think he makes a big deal about it. And it's up to us what we do. It's up to us what, what we do then, what we do next. It's up to us, do we say, I didn't really hear him, so I want to do this, and I'm going to do this. Boy, wow. Holy God, Almighty God Himself, who loves us so much, who wants to guide us along the right path, loves us so much that He indwells within us through the power of the Holy Spirit, through His presence, and we sometimes just say to Him, you know what, I, I, I want to do what I want to do. Wow, is that arrogance? Is that, I mean, boy, what is that? Who do we think we are as a human being to say to God, I know you want me to do this, but I'd rather do this, and, you know, I'll get back with you. How many of you ever tried that with your own parent? How far did it go? How did it go for you when you thought, well, I'm just, I know you want me to do this, Mama. I know, Daddy, you want me to do that, but I'm going to do my thing. Hmm. Mm, how many conversations were had after the fact that where, where you had to go or someone had to go and say, Mama, Daddy, you were right. Boy, that hurts. But sometimes that's how we do, and that's how we do God. That's how we, we treat Him. But we have the Holy Spirit inside of us leading us in the right direction at all times. Look at verse 40. And with many other words, he solemnly testified and kept on exhorting them, saying, Be saved from this perverse generation. Wow. Many other words. He solemnly testified. Kept on exhorting them, saying, Be saved from this perverse generation. Now, boy, isn't that interesting? I'm glad the generation we live in is not perverse. Boy, I'm so glad we finally reached a generation where everybody is perfect and everybody's loving and nobody, there's no divisiveness out there. There's no divisions. I just love this generation we live in. Isn't it wonderful? Oh, wow. Man does not change much. The nature of man does not change. All through time, this speaks to us even today. Peter continues, urges them to be saved from this generation, this perverse generation. This generation we live in is perverse. It is in need of Christ. It is in need of the forgiveness that He brings. It is in need of the love that He brings. It is in need of the grace that He brings. This generation needs Christ. 
Look at verse 41. So then, those who had received his word were baptized. Aha! So they did. They received it. There were many, it seems, that, that received. In fact, so many that it says in the rest of verse 41, and that day there were added about 3,000 souls. Somebody listened when the gospel was preached. Somebody listened and someone received. And there were many that day that listened, that heard, that received the message of the gospel. They listened. They received it. Those who received it, about 3,000. Wow. So what do we see here? We see first the gospel is shared. The gospel is is accepted. It's shared and accepted. This is how it works. You share it. It may not be accepted immediately, but it might. It may take a few days. It may take a few weeks, but the gospel must be shared. People must hear it. They must hear it. They must know that there's a God who loves them. They must know that there's a God who cares for them, a God who sent his only son to die on the cross for them. People need to hear that. People need to know that. Well, the second thing we have this morning, once accepted, the gospel must affect one's daily life. There's always more to the story, as Paul Harvey was good at saying, the rest of the story. Once a person accepts Christ, there is a heart change. There's a change that takes place in a person's life. Look at verse 42 again. They were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Notice, a part of living a productive Christian life, there is a continual devotion to the teachings of God's Word. Oh, a continual, a continual devotion. It's not a, okay, well, look, I get my little I get my little Bible, you know, story. I get my little Bible infusion on Sunday, and, and that's where I get it. So I would say I am in continu- I, I, I have continual devotion to the Word of God. Let me tell you, you are being betrayed. If you believe that that's enough, if you think that, well, church, I, I go to church every Sunday. If you think in your heart, if I think in my heart that that is enough for me to engage the Word of God, then I am seriously mistaken and greatly troubled. Because we need a continual devotion to His Word, the teachings of His Word. Not enough can be said about the importance of the study of the Word of God. Through His Word, He speaks to us. How many of you have ever been reading the Bible and it was as if, boom, a verse popped up and you said, oh, I get it, I understand it. How many of you have had that experience? How many of you? Anybody? Some of you? It is amazing. It is amazing. It is amazing to be able to read the Bible and God, through His Holy Spirit, through His Word, speaks to our heart. Oh, it's exciting. It's exciting because we know that communication is happening. Communication between God and His child is happening. Oh, it's exciting. I I, I drop a reminder here. uh, You can begin reading through the New Testament. (laughs) Take that prayer. Take take that guide. That is a wonderful thing to be able to look. Look, just engage. Begin to engage God's Word. Secret, secret. If you start tomorrow, I know it says January 1st, but if you start tomorrow, 
then the two days of rest will fall on the weekend. Just, just to let you know. Uh, but you'll make it all the way through the year. You'll make it all the way through the year, through the New Testament. But we have got to do this. You and I, we have got to engage the Word of God on a continual basis. This is where we find a relationship with the Lord. This is how we have that with Him. There must also be a continual devotion to the fellowship of believers. I found that very Baptist <laughs> when I looked at that. I said, look at that. To the, to the teaching, the apostles' teaching of the Word of God, and to fellowship. Fellowship. I used to think, man, what happens at fellowship? You, know, you know, people in the world look at us as Baptists and say, all you Baptists, all y'all do is eat. You know, y'all just get together and eat. That ain't nothing happening there. Y'all just eat. Y'all just getting bigger, that's all. <laughs> y'all just getting to be bigger people. You know, that's all that's happening. No, no. In fellowship, there is something very, very important happening. The regular exposure to the people of God and to the teaching of God keeps one on the path of righteousness. Something supernatural happens in times of fellowship. I had the distinct, I say now, privilege of fellowshipping with about six guys Six men this past week at the First Baptist Church of Lano. Uh, Suzanne's stepfather goes. They have coffee Monday through Thursday every week. And there's younger men, older men, and they all show up. And they sit for a time of fellowship. And they drink coffee together. And it's good talk, as far as I could tell. He, he spilled the beans on me uh, early on, said I was a preacher. And I thought, ah. Oh, Man, I want them to be real people. I don't want them to go, oh, preacher. But they seem to be real people. But they had a good time, a sweet time of fellowship. And they built each other up. And I thought, man, this is amazing what's happening. There is a time of building up that occurs every time we gather together. We gather together and there's a time of sweet fellowship. And it's important. And it's biblical. It's biblical. You can't say, well, y'all just get together and just talk. But No, it's important. That we as Christians gather together and talk and talk about God, talk about life, talk about how we handle issues, how, how this didn't work for me. What did you do? Well, God, I really felt God wanted me to do this and, this is, and it worked out. Oh, really? Well, maybe, maybe I need to actually ask him. Yeah, there's a lot that happens in these times of fellowship and it's important that we have them. We're reminded that we're not alone in this journey to be like Jesus. We're reminded that there are others who may be further down the path who can turn around and grab our hand and pull us forward and help us to become more like Christ. We can learn from them. Well, there's also an emphasis on the continual breaking of bread. Eating at the table together is a bonding experience. Gathering together. Some, some commentators think that this was talking about the Lord's Supper. Some feel, no, it wasn't. It was a fellowship meal because meals together are very important, uh, especially to the Jewish people. If, if you ask someone to eat at your house, that's a big deal. That is a place, you, you get to sit at a place of honor. I mean, it is a big deal when you get invited to someone's house. Now, I always thought that as a little child. I mean, you know, whenever anybody in our church invited our family over to eat, I thought, oh, yeah. <laughs> This is a big deal. We get to eat at somebody else's house. You know, we get to see how they live. I mean, you know, it was, it was just a big experience when I was a little kid. But this is a big deal to share a meal with each other. To share a meal 
Same type stuff happens as, as happens in fellowship, but there's something different there. The element of the food, sharing that food, you know, with someone else. Sharing of what you have with someone else. Notice also, and this is what we're, we're, we were, we're, we've been moving to throughout this entire sermon. Notice also there's to be a continual devotion to prayer. A continual devotion to prayer. This is vital for any child of God. If you want to have a good relationship with your earthly parents, do you just not talk to them ever? You know what happens. Well, I got this one boy of mine. You know, he never calls, never comes home. And just, you know, I, just, I don't know what he's doing. You've heard what happens when children do, don't, do not take time to share with their parents, have a conversation communicate with them. You, you've heard what happens in other families, I'm sure. It's important to communicate and not just surface-level communication. Not just surface-level communication. When you're talking to God, you're talking to God. Let me tell you, He knows what the weather's like. He knows that it's been raining or if it's not been raining. He knows if there's been a hurricane. He knows if there's a tornado. You don't have to talk to surface talk with God. You know, God, it rained yesterday. Yeah, it did. <laughs> I, I kind of made that happen. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, this is a relationship with someone who loves you, who wants to walk with you in life, who wants you to walk with them in life. And this is a God who cares deeply about us. And so we must move beyond just the weather, talking surface level communication. We, we need to talk about our feelings and our cares and our concerns with God. He wants to hear those. He delights in hearing from His children. I believe He does. This is what God wants to have with us, a relationship, a deep and intimate relationship with us. We can't have that if we never talk to Him. We can't have that. You don't, you don't walk up to whoever the president of the United States is and say, hey, good to see you. Let's go eat together. He's going to look at you like, who are you? I don't know you. I don't even know who you are. You want to go eat together? I don't even know. What it is. I don't know you. I know nothing about you. We don't need to have that kind of relationship with God. God, when we talk to God, God needs to just say, hey, yes. Yes, my child. And I think he does anyway. But I think we put it on ourselves when we look at him. If we have not taken time to talk with God in a long time, I think we put on ourselves this, this big heavy emphasis. Hey, God, it's me, Craig. Remember me? I live on 507 Holland. I, you know, I, yeah. We feel like we have to introduce ourselves because it's been so long. We don't need to have that with him. We need to be able to talk with him and know, yeah, yeah, he knows me. He knows me. In Acts, prayer appears to have been daily. At least three times a day as Christians continue to, to pray that, that in that prayer life of Judaism uh, after they accepted Christ as, their, as the Messiah, the Savior. The prayer life of the first church was persistent. It was individual and corporate, expectant and effective. Something the modern church could certainly emulate. John Phillips wrote, Prayer is the slender nerve that moves the muscles of omnipotence. Ooh. Henry Ironside wrote this, prayer is an expression of dependence. And when the people of God really feel their need, you will find them flocking together to pray. Amen? 
A neglected prayer meeting indicates very little recognition of one's true need. Communication with God is crucial to the Christian experience. With no communication, there is no relationship. My prayer is that you will pray. My prayer is that you will seek to communicate with God more than you ever have in the past. Take that book. Take that book, Praying Scripture. Use it this year. Take time this week to speak with God about individual repentance, renewal, and commitment. Speak with God about our church family and the influence we can have in our families and in our community. Speak with Him about that. Talk with Him about that. What does He want you to do? Offer yourself to God to be used by Him this week. Stop and listen for His voice. To those who seek to hear Him, they will. The gospel is shared, is accepted, but then the gospel must be lived out through actions, especially the act of prayer. You and I need to talk with the Lord. We simply need to talk with Him. Get to know Him like we never have before. As we move into a new year that He's given to us, He's not given us this new year just to do whatever we want with. We've given our lives to Him and we've said we'll follow you. The proof is in the pudding. What will we do? Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you, O God, for this day. We thank you for loving us. We thank you for sending your Son, Jesus, for us. We thank you, Father, for forgiving us. Oh, your grace is so in abundance. We know that you do not have to forgive us, but you have chosen to. And Father, we don't understand that. But boy, are we grateful. Lord, we pray for those who do not know you. We pray that you would soften their hearts, help them to know who you are, help them to see you in us, in our words, in our actions. And Father, as we go through this week, Lord, may you hear from every one of us. May every one of us take some time to talk with you. Help us, Lord. Lord, we pray again. We pray for those who do not know you. And we pray that if we can be one who points them to you. Father, open up those opportunities. Help us to see them. Help us to be sensitive to those opportunities to share about you. Sometimes it just falls right in our lap. Somebody says something about, about you. They say something like, oh, I don't know why God let me let this happen. We have opportunities all around us. Help us to be sensitive to those. Help us to speak on your behalf. Father, with the words that you give us and with the attitude that you give us too. Father, we give you thanks for who you are and for what you have done. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Do you have a relationship with God? Uh, do you talk with Him? That's the way we get to know people. That's the way we have a relationship. The communication has to take place. So my prayer is that you are communicating with God on a regular basis. Uh, it's something we must do to maintain a relationship. 
If you'd like to know more about what it means to have Jesus in your heart, please go to fbcwinsboro.com, fbcwinsboro.com. And on the right-hand side of our webpage, uh, or if you're on an iPhone or a smart device, you can scroll down. You'll find a gospel presentation, Steps to Peace with God, Finding Peace with Him. Uh, Please just follow that link. Uh, We'd love to know if you have made a decision to follow Jesus. It's the most important decision anyone will ever make. Truly, it is what to do with Jesus. We hope that you are in a relationship with Jesus. That's our prayer for you. Thank you for listening to Words of Encouragement. Stay tuned, and we'll catch you back here next week. Oh, and Happy New Year to each one of you. May the Lord bless you this year.